Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hello, and welcome to Podcast Monday. It is indeed Monday, although I woke up and that felt really surprising to me. I'm going to talk about solstice today, among some other things, and that is part of my confusion. So... We had a solstice party last night, or yesterday rather, on Sunday, and it just didn't feel like a Sunday all day because of that. I even missed my weekly newsletter, so that's on my list for today. Ah, So everything's feeling a little bit mixed up, but I think that is the season we're in. Wanting to reflect some more on that today, share some personal stuff since it's been a while, and just see what comes out. This will probably be on the shorter side as Monday is my in-person day as well. So I've got some virtual prenatals and some real life stuff coming up in about hmm, 40 minutes. So it'll be fast, fast fast-ish. A few words about solstice. If you're needing that or want some inspiration, We had these words posted yesterday on a couple of sheets of paper around the house on the way to outside in hopes that our solstice gathering would be not just fun people and good food, but that it would have an element of sacredness that felt really important to me. Not sure what anybody else experienced, those of you that were there. I hope it felt sacred. Can't control that, though. It did feel sacred to me. And so let me find these words that we posted. Okay, I found these on Instagram of all places. Taking an Instagram break for the week. We had taken many months off and then lately I've been posting like crazy just feeling like there was stuff I wanted to say. And this week it's feeling really internal, not really wanting to go there, but did find some inspiration there as sometimes we do. Michael Mead is an account I follow, and these were his words about solstice. Solstice means the sun stands still. At the darkest time of the year, the pulse of life stops for a timeless moment before the light begins to return and the energy of the earth renews. Ancient people imagined that humans played a role in bringing the light back from the dark, For the human soul was also once known as the light inside darkness. In facing the darkness together, we rekindle the divine spark of life in each of our souls, and we connect through song and prayer to the living heart of the earth. So again, words of Michael Mead. I thought that was poetic and beautiful and just long and short enough to have posted around so that our guests who aren't or weren't familiar with solstice had some understanding of what was going on. And of course, people can choose to 
believe in the sacred nature or participate or not really is fine with me either way. But we did do a fire and a Yule log. Everybody that wanted to participate wrote their intentions, their manifestations, their visions for the light returning and what that might mean to them on a personal level, whatever that might be private there. So I don't know what anybody else wrote. Um, but I know for me, it always feels really potent and magical to take the time around solstice to reflect on that. So for lack of a better description, it feels like the new year. You know, most people, I think, have January 1st in their mind. And that also might be a really great time for revisiting things. I certainly do that as well. I think revisiting the more practical, in a sense, is what I feel January to be. Uh, so kind of getting in order if there are new projects and that kind of thing. But solstice, December 21st or thereabouts, because it is the darkest night of the year with the light returning, I always imagine how I want to feel in the year to come. And I've learned to be really choosy and particular about that energy or phrase or words or vision or whatever I'm calling in, careful not to approach it from a place of fear, but mindfulness. So whatever we're calling in, being as aware as we can as humans in our consciousness of all that that could mean. And of course, you know, we don't really know. We don't really know when we call whatever it is, like let's say it's joy, right? We don't know what experiences we're calling in. We, we really have no idea, but there has to be a layer of intention for me to pick whatever phrase it is, because I do believe it is so powerful to name it and to feel it and to have it in our vision, our third eye vision. And then in the case of solstice and this eulog and this ceremony, to write it, to write it, to attach it, to this piece of tree, this living being that somehow has wound up sacrificing itself uh, one way or another to be a Yule log. So, so much gratefulness there. And then attaching it with other intentions, other people's intentions and energy always feels really big. So I haven't ever done it alone. You know, I don't know how that would shift it, but seeing this beautiful log and I think I'm going to put a photo in the newsletter today of this beautiful log with everybody's intentions attached with ribbon. Um, it's really powerful. There's like such solidarity there, even though you don't know what other people wrote, you know, but you can feel it. You can feel that like there's something good coming and, um, you know, there always is, right? There are always good things coming. So to see the log and then final step to place it into the fire. My husband did that, I think, last night, or one of our kids did. I feel like Jason did, but I didn't see it, actually. Um, I was sort of like giving instructions and had a baby that wanted to be near the fire, so I was kind of paying attention to that. But then once the log was in the fire, which we did outside, obviously, in the homemade fire pit that my sons had made a couple of weeks ago, uh, just sitting there, just sitting there with these kin with these chosen family, which is how I see the people that were there, the friends, uh, our soul circle. And that's something I've mentioned. I've been so grateful, 
so grateful to be here in Kentucky in just six short months to have found people that feel like family to us, you know, doesn't mean we don't have a lot of ways to get to know each other. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel like fresh and new in the ways that friendships can feel, which is also really fun. But this deep knowing for me with the people that were there, at least really connected. So again, to sit in circle with them, even informally, you know, kids are running around. Uh, my sons were were chopping wood with an axe. That was their activity. We had lots of like two-year-olds. So there was a lot of activity. It wasn't this quiet, sacred ceremony around a fire, but those that chose to or, you know, could at the moment kind of sit. I know I was able to sit with Rumi for a little bit and then Cove on my lap and just be, just absorb the warmth of the fire. It felt so good. It really was chilly yesterday, which is rare so far, has been rare here, hasn't uh, been too chilly yet. It was a great day, a great day for a fire, beautiful time of day, kind of going into the late afternoon. And again, watching this Yule log burn with the intentions for the light returning and whatever it is that all of us are wanting to manifest. I also think there is something super special and connected about doing that with people. And again, you don't have to know what people wrote down, but the feeling of everybody's intentions kind of weaving into the ether, you know, they become smoke, they become an offering to God, if that's the word you use, um, to the universe, to great spirit, you know, to whatever mother earth, whatever you want to say, I'm watching the smoke kind of rise from this log with everyone's intentions and knowing that our intentions are actually being mingled and woven into some elaborate fabric that we can't really understand. I think that's really powerful. And I don't know, of course, again, that's the mystery, how this will look for myself in the year ahead, Um, what it will mean with these new friends, these new colleagues, you know, these new families, how our lives will intertwine. And I think that's beautiful. I think there is such an acknowledgement of mystery at certain times of the year. And for many people, yes, it's Christmas in all the ways that that feels important to you or to someone else. Uh, It doesn't to me, even though I kind of grew up that way. um, I don't feel a whole lot of like alignment with that holiday for a bunch of reasons. So whatever, you know, choose what works for you. Solstice, being aligned to the rhythms of the earth, um, knowing that It's an actual fact, as much as I think any of us can know, right, that the light really is returning, that we are headed into the spring eventually, um, which, again, I think is going to be really cool for me, for our family to keep in mind if the winter does feel long or dark at any point, and I'm sure it will. But the truth is, the light is on its way. It's coming in the next couple of days. And that's when the tides turn. That's when things start to shift. And again, practically speaking, new time for projects and and whatever else. So that's kind of my sum of the solstice celebration. And if you're listening to this around the 21st of December, then you still have time. You know, if you're wanting a ceremony of your own or even just something individual, um, I think it's a great time. And we're not quite done. That was our party with our friends. But we will, as a family, on the 21st, probably do another fire and the kids exchange gifts. So I like that it's kind of a multi-day festival (laughs) and a 
you know, I have a good friend back in Sedona. I don't know if she listens to this, um, but they're doing a 24 hour solstice fire. And that's really admirable and cool because, you know, that requires tending the fire for 24 hours with or without guests, probably without. And even with children that are sleeping, getting up with her husband to uh, trade off. And I think that is also really beautiful. Um, very cleansing to the land and, you know, whatever, whatever your intention is. But fire, of course, is really powerful. And we are still in Sagittarius. You know, we're just about to turn over into Capricorn, which is another sort of facet, I think, of the solstice um, coming into some different energies. So uh, I'm liking the fire and we're going to make use of it just a little bit more here before, yeah, before we move in to the new season. Uh, it also was a full moon just the other night, I think last night or the night before. And that's also bringing up a lot of stuff I know for a lot of people. So I won't ramble on about that. I'm not an astrologist. And also if you're catching this after the fact, it probably won't mean so much, but you know, good times, good times, good times to have all the astrology and, and cool stuff aligning as it usually does. So uh, I was going to pull a card here. I'm not doing my Moon Circle Monday anymore. That might be news to some of you. Just wasn't feeling aligned. Um, I'm all about circles. I'm all about magic and cards. And, you know, that's why I'm going to pull one here today. Also, I think January this 2022 will bring in some real life circle for me here and for the women that are here. And that's feeling like a way... I don't want to say better, um, a way more aligned way of spending my time and energy. I won't lie, it really is a test of my own energetic resources to host a circle, whether it's virtual or in person. So 44 years old here, and I'm still learning how to manage my own energy. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, and we're not all the same. So I don't know that it's worth going into all that, but... Um, I'm super sensitive, as many of us are, to other people's energies. In fact, you know, the party yesterday was great. I thought it went really well. Um, people seemed to have fun and, you know, lots of cool people just getting to know each other. But from a practical perspective of hosting, uh, lots of energies. And, you know, it takes a while for me to sort of cycle through them. <laughs> like I was lying there in bed last night, totally tired, but not able to sleep because it just takes me a while to yeah leave behind what isn't mine and and that's great you know it's great energy and and it doesn't mean it's bad it's just yeah feeling it so that's kind of my ramble on why I'm not doing the virtual moon Monday circles anymore it just felt like such an output um, and I felt like I was literally draining my energy out into the ethers which is a flaw I think of virtual technology because I know watching were so many of you and you were receiving, I think, and enjoying, and that is so beautiful. Um, but for me, it felt like I was putting my finger in a socket and all of my energy was being like whisked out into the universe and it was taking too much. So wise to pay attention to that kind of thing, I think. Um, not to say, you know, I'm wise, but I think that is wise for all of us to be intentional about where we're putting our energy and then really feel it really feel how it's feeling. So even now with this podcast, you know, can I just take a breath? Can I rein in my energy so that I can speak 
and give outward without total depletion. That's kind of always my exercise in life, believe it or not. So may or may not be yours. I think definitely we're all different. There's some people that really can give um, and they feel energized by that. And some of us don't. We really have to be mindful of our own source, our own source of energy. So on that note, I've kind of like half shuffled as I'm speaking. I really like the Light Sears deck by Chris Ann. And if you've been on the Moon Mondays, you've seen it. I wish I could show you, but alas, you'll have to look it up or imagine. Or if you know tarot, you know, you can pull your own your own tarot card to see the card itself if you don't already know. I am learning to read tarot, so I'm probably going to consult the book, but I'm going to also just feel into my intuitive uh, reading of whatever card I pull. I think it is really helpful to have an intention when pulling a card. So maybe you don't do that. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you don't know that, though. I think sometimes people just are like, oh, cool, cards, pull one. But no, take a minute. And set an intention, like what is this card being pulled for, right? Because otherwise the message can feel not aligned and you can be like, what? What is this card for? And if I got kind of like esoteric about it, um, I think without an intention, you can pull a card for anything. You can actually be pulling a card for the universe at large or like the global community or the collective consciousness or um, the card you pull could be about the full moon that's going on, right? So it's kind of like you're leaving it up to the universe to decide what your intention is. So that might work for you, but I don't like doing that. So my intention right now is to pull a card for me, for you, for whoever is listening uh, for this winter solstice. Like what is needed? What is the energy that is needed? Um, is there a message from above, from within about this very sacred time of year, these couple of days, really. And so I'm kind of feeling into that intention. The fire, the gathering, the darkness. And I feel a card kind of jump out. Cool. It is the three of wands. So wands are fire. It's our spiritual path. Three is a really magical number. I mean, really, every ma- every number is magical, but three is highly feminine. So in my mind, we have the maiden mother crone. We have, um, you know, just kind of like the uh, triple goddess, the Celtic interpretation. There's a death rebirth, you know, death kind of flavor in there for me. We could even convert it to Christianity, right? And have uh, the Holy Trinity there. So three is a very potent number with a message from above, I think. That's been my interpretation today. And the wands are our spiritual path. So being guided by threes on the spiritual path right now with the element of fire, because again, we are still in Sagittarius, I think is really super cool. The imagery on the card itself in this deck is a girl at the beach overlooking the water, holding a surfboard. Her hair is kind of blown back and two out of three of the 
wands are on either side of her, if that makes sense. So kind of like flanking her two wands of fire illuminating her view. And then there's a third wand sort of like below her. So her view is being illuminated onto the waves, onto the water. It looks like she's thinking about it to me, uh, getting into the water or Maybe she's just like reflecting or, or sort of grounding herself, but her feet aren't completely on the ground. One foot is on the ground and the other foot is like arched, like she's maybe considering going into the water from this hill. So my interpretation, again, this is totally me here, just making it up, uh, considering the plunge, you know, looking down into the water having a tool, so she has the surfboard, um, having something to keep us afloat and feeling like, is it time? You know, our, our view is being lit up. We can see the water and it feels exciting. It feels like an exciting card. Like it's almost time. It's almost time to get in and we'll be protected. This is a spiritual journey. Uh, And it's going to be fun. You know, what is a surfboard? I don't know. I've never been surfing, actually, but sounds fun. Somewhat fun to me. So that's what I'm feeling. I'm going to consult the book. We'll see how accurate I was here for all all the world to hear. But also uh, maybe to encourage some of you take up card reading. It's a really cool sort of craft and and science and art and all the things. So let's see, some words, energy manifested, waiting for the results of your effort, the arrival of opportunities, finally understanding your ambitions, uh, progress, moving in the direction that is right for you. So that sounds about right. Um, You've been doing the work, light seer, planning, seeing, learning, watch for the signs that your dream is on the way because they are everywhere. Take pride in the progress you've made for your past efforts have created the momentum that you needed to get the ball rolling. Uh, So being ready and waiting, I'm kind of summarizing now. Um, There is still work to be done, but you were headed in the right direction. When they arrive, you may not know exactly how to ride them. I think she means the waves, right? But you will be ready to learn. So look for that new relationship, the new client, or the lucky break on the horizon. The mantra is, I am expectant and optimistic, and I know that my dream is on the way. So yeah, that's a really powerful card. And that's exactly how it feels to me. Again, just kind of like waiting, waiting on the cliff, looking at the water below, knowing that you've come this far, and there are really great things ahead, right? Did I not say that? There are always good things coming, and that's exactly what this card is. So three of wands, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, cards are so fun. In fact, yesterday at our gathering, that was one of my ideas, kind of have a card table. But alas, I totally forgot in the moment, eating and having food ready and all that. So I guess it wasn't meant to be. All right. So that was kind of the solstice wrap up for those of you that are into that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not feeling particularly structured today. <laughs> so I really don't have a birth topic that I want to teach on. I was reflecting this morning on the breastfeeding podcast from a couple of weeks ago. 
and how enjoyable that was, actually. And I feel like there were such nice reviews. Uh, it feels like that was super helpful to people for whatever reason. And so I wanted to channel a similar subject today, but I just don't have it. Uh, something that felt really practical, but also with wisdom. And again, if you didn't hear that, you might enjoy it. I felt like that was a really good mix of practical advice and things that, to me, are completely common sense and intuitive, but recognizing it's not that way for everybody. So, hmm, I don't have a similar topic like that today. Um, I was going to kind of blab about bigger families and, um, you know, a lot of people have commented lately, not about me, but just on our social, a couple of comments lately, and more today when I asked about a podcast topic around this idea of like, how do you know when you're done having babies? And and the women that are posting, a couple of them I do know personally. Um, and they have, you know, six, seven kids. And I can totally relate. We have 10. And I've had more pregnancies than that. And man, if I uh, could go back, I probably wouldn't have said so definitively after so many of my births. I mean, it's almost embarrassing because, let's see, True was number six. And when I when he was born, of course, I had had a really sort of big year with the state of Arizona, my license, all of this nonsense. He was a free birth. Um, it was intense. And leading up to his birth, I was very sure he was it. He, we were done. So, you know, uh, I was wrong. And why did I feel so sure? Hmm. Again, I think it was the volatile nature of my life at the time. Because I don't feel that way, obviously. Um, all of the children after were so desired, so wanted, and not at all accidental or any of those things. Rumi, I will admit, Rumi was a surprise, but very much wanted. So I guess I'm just kind of blabbing about that for those of you that are interested. And maybe you're not, you know, if you haven't had babies yet or you have one or two and you know you're done. I don't know that this is really going to be for you. This is for the women out there that are like, hey, I don't know if I'm done, but I already have a bunch of kids. And how do you handle that? And what are your thoughts? So this is me blabbing about that. So I did. I said, true, uh, was born and we were done. Nope, not the case. Just as soon as he turned one, I was pregnant with Ever. And again, super desired. She had spoken to me. And so maybe this is also a podcast about spirit babies, which I've done in the past, but this is today's version. This is the 2021 version of spirit babies. So Ever spoke to me and she was super powerful. In fact, um, my good friend Amber Rainma, who many of you might know, um, she's kind of a womb shaman, as she calls herself. She's a channel. She's a very good sister goddess friend of mine. Um, that's how we met way back when she somehow intercepted something about Ever and I don't know, it's a long story, but um, she called Ever Coyote Girl way before she was even born and, and maybe before she was conceived. So Ever was coming and I knew that she had a mission and she sure does. She'll be seven and she's a fantastic human, as they all are. She's the one I call my little witch. And she was just so loud as a spirit baby. Um, so, you know, there ended the, oh, we're done, because there was Ever. And then, of course, after Ever, we had Sable, who uh, did not 
come into our family in the way that we expected. He died at 16 weeks or so in the womb. And, you know, that that story is out there, so I'm not going to do that. But then Deva, Deva also very, very loud as a spirit baby, very insistent, very excited, couldn't wait to get here, uh, couldn't wait for Sable to leave my womb so that she could arrive um, and was born a week early and had a really beautiful birth. And that's also out there. So Deva spoke very loudly as a spirit baby. So, you know, I guess point to be taken home if you would like to is do we get to say, yes, we do, in a certain way. We can say no to spirit babies in a physical way. There's all kinds of ways to prevent pregnancy, right? Um, from birth control or, you know, men doing the things they do or whatever people want to choose. But to be perfectly frank and honest, I have never aligned with those things. So it's sort of funny that I would have said, we're done but then also not being aligned with prevention, um, you know, those two things sort of don't go together, especially if you're still in your fertile years, which uh, obviously I was and I probably still am, at least for a little bit. So Deva made her entrance and then same sort of story. She turned a year and Cove made her appearance and equally strong and amazing force and I did say the same thing after Cove. I guess I didn't learn my lesson. I said, hey, we're done. That's it. Cove had the most fantastic birth from the standpoint of ease and simplicity. I don't think that's the only thing that makes a fantastic birth. And that was, I guess, a lesson I needed to learn after Rumi's birth. Um, so yeah, Cove, if you don't know, just had this ridiculously easy labor and she sort of fell out. And I was like, okay, that's done. My brain was like, I want to control that. I want that to be my crowning experience. You know, I want that to be the final one. And I want to leave the birthing world, you know, personally, not professionally, but personally with that birth. Yeah, funny, right? Rumi's laughing. He's home with his dad, but he's laughing. Rumi totally snuck in. And again, um, nothing was being done in a sense to prevent this. So maybe that seems comical to some of you. And it does to me too. We had talked about it before Rumi saying, you know, I think we're done. Um, and we had tried condoms and different stuff, but it just doesn't align. It just isn't something that feels right to either of us. So it felt really what's the word? Um, like we were going against our own nature. We were going against our own nature by utilizing those things. But something has to give, right? Because if you really don't want any babies and you are in your fertile years, like you have to do better than that. So we didn't because the wish wasn't, I guess, that we were done. And Rumi um, really did sneak in and I'm not quite sure how or why, but I think the message there that perhaps is helpful to pass on is that age, um, age doesn't matter. You know, our own age, we're so worked up in the medical world, at least about age and fertility. And I don't want to go there. You know, I, I didn't go there with him and against every odd of conception, you know, uh, he appeared 
And that was very, very surprising. So I think those of you that are out there and you're like, hey, um, well, and this could go for a lot of people. You don't necessarily have to have a lot of children, but a lot of women are like, oh my gosh, I'm getting older. And yes, we are. We are all getting older every single day. (laughs) But truthfully, um, to me, fertility resides outside of this thing we call a number or an age. And I know many of you can maybe personally attest to that. Maybe it's friends or family or maybe it's your own experience that there are people in their 20s that have fertility issues. So it couldn't just be about age. It couldn't be. Uh, I'm not here to, you know, summarize all of the things, especially from a physical standpoint that fertility um, is involved in. You know, and I think it's so highly individual. And I know for me that my mission, part of my mission here on earth, um, you know, and it might sound kind of crass in a sense, but my mission has been, and maybe it still is, I'm not sure, to produce really amazing light beings to carry the torch. And I know that's true for many of you too. The babies coming in right now, and they have been for a while, they are star babies. They are star babies. They are beyond um, what our own capacities are. They are beyond, you know, and I think of my friend, again, Amber Rainma, who calls Rumi, and she has called him this, um, a technician. She's like, he's an absolute energetic technician. He's a magician. You know, he came in with tools and skills that we can't be taught. We can't be taught. So that's on an energetic and psychic level. And that's what many of these babies are bringing to the planet. And and look around, right? We are in a serious state here. If we just want to consider the energetic imprint right now of this planet, I think we're all trying to do our part to raise that energetic imprint. I know I am, but the energetics of the collective consciousness right now are very dim. They're very dim. And I do think, uh, just like solstice, I think there is a return to the light that is coming that we are all participating in. Um, But these souls, these souls coming through us when we are chosen as their vessels, uh, it is outside of the human, you know, way of contemplating these things. Again, the age, um, all of the things that we think matter when we walk into an experience of pregnancy and birth. Um, My my message, the message, one of the messages with Rumi And should another soul enter for me um, is just that, that it is a choice of consciousness to choose them, right? So I do think we have a choice. And again, this might mean taking practical steps. If you're like, yeah, I'm done, like I'm not inviting another one in, then yes, I do think there are steps to be taken. Um, But if you're open to it and you're like, hey, this is why I'm here. You know, we're not going to correct nature, which is, I know what Jason and I have come to many, many times. Um, Then we have to shift our consciousness around this idea of like fertility and age and conception and all of that. We have to shift that, I think, 
because these souls are requiring so much more. So it's not to say, you know, I don't think of it every now and then. Oh, I'm 44. Or when I had Rumi, I was 43. You know, gosh, that's old. And and what does it mean? And, and what could go wrong? And what could happen? Yes, yeah, sometimes we feel that story that is out there and it weighs in and I have to remind myself, hey, that's not mine. That's not mine. If this is a an agreement I choose to enter into with another soul, with like a baby spirit or whatever you want to call it, um, that this is outside of those boundaries because those limitations just don't apply to them. So uh, I think that's a really different way of intercepting a possible pregnancy, a possible soul that wants to come your way, regardless of whatever you think the limitation is, um, the age you are, you know, the number of children you are. And again, I'm not saying these don't have practical conversations attached. You know, I know for many people, it's like, oh my gosh, like to raise another child right now, um, people feel like, oh gosh, how could I bring a kid into this world? Like this world is a fucking mess. Yeah, it is. But what is your intention? You know, my intention, should I walk that way again, would be just the same as it always has been, is to bring another light being another light seer, right? Kind of quoting my tarot cards, bring another light seer into this world, because that is what is needed. And if they are wanting to come, um, we are accepting that contract. And I do think, and this is kind of like a subtopic of spirit babies, um, I do think we can set our contract as best we can, if that makes sense. So, you know, you feel a spirit baby around. Um, I certainly have, you know, to be honest, just just sharing. I have felt a, a girl spirit since Rumi was born and almost immediately after his birth to the point where I was like, come on, nope, we're done. You know, he was born. Uh, he plopped out on that table in the hospital. And I looked at Margo and I said, absolutely, that is it. (laughs) But I was also, you know, sort of traumatized in the moment. And that was a big experience. And that came with the lessons that I needed to have, right? So that was the contract. That was the agreement with him, whether I knew it or not. And so feeling this baby spirit dancing around, um, knowing that I have a choice. I do. I do have a choice. But putting my my, uh, end of the agreement out so to speak. And, you know, that might be something that you resonate with or, or might feel useful to you if you're feeling that spirit around. Like we do get to say how we'd like to experience something. And, you know, what does that mean? How does that ripple out? I don't know, because I'm not God either, right? I don't think we control every aspect of our experience for sure. But if I feel a soul dancing around, my agreement has been like, hey, um, I'd consider it if you really are aligned with this family, if you're really feeling like, you know, this is the energy you want, if you are aligned with life and simplicity and joy and happiness and all of the things I'm calling in for my life experience, uh, then maybe we can work something out. You know, we're kind of making a deal here. Um, that's kind of how I've been approaching it lately. And that's not to say everybody should. I think different spirits come with different, different everythings, different messages, different images, different timing. I know for me, the spirit that sort of had been around right after Rumi's birth, um, I misinterpreted in a sense. So I felt like, oh gosh, is this another baby that wants to come through? 
And that one actually wasn't. So, uh, you know, to create a story around that so that I can make sense of it, I'm sharing that with you, sort of a story, which is that spirit sort of accompanied Rumi here, that she was needed for his safe arrival Earthside. And there were bumps, right? His birth story was crazy. There were bumps along the way. And she was responsible for getting him here safely. And sort of the way she was appearing to me in my postpartum and even the last few months was like, hey, give me some credit here, sister. Uh, You know, I did this job and um, I want to hear from you. So there was a bit of communication with that spirit and sort of hearing what she wanted to say in my own ways, in my own methods of communication. Um, Also, my friend Amber doing a really awesome job of channeling some information for me from this spirit and to be like, oh, okay, I get it. Like my vision for midwifery has changed thanks to this being, to this spirit. Uh, But she wasn't a spirit baby. She was just an energy, an energy wanting to come through. And I think now that she's received her validation and I've received the message and the lessons and incorporated them. You know, a lot has changed, right? Since Rumi's birth, we moved here to Kentucky. Um, everything changed and my practice is changing and the things I'm calling in and all of it. That is in large part due to the wisdom of this energy that came through with Rumi. So she has been acknowledged. I think she has... Um, received gratitude and and sort of went on her way and continues to accompany me and us in the way that spirits do. And indeed, there is a baby spirit. There is a baby spirit dancing around. And so I'm really not sure because I'm a human. You know, I don't know. I don't know how that will manifest or look. I don't know if that spirit will incarnate in our family, you know, through me soon or not soon or not at all. I'm I'm remaining open to the messages and the the communication that comes through. So, you know, one last uh, part of wisdom from my friend Amber. Um, you know, she says they're not all spirit babies. So, do whatever you want if you're feeling something dance around you. But also consider that these energies, these spirits, whatever you want to call them, can dance in our lives with us in various ways. So, you know, Sable, he's a great example of, yes, he was a spirit baby, uh, but he continues to be an energy around me. And I don't think is one that's going to incarnate in this lifetime for me in that solid way. So, you know, not misinterpreting, I guess, is part of the message too. Um, being open, receiving messages and feeling into it and having your part of the contract, you know, speaking openly to what you want to experience, what you're willing to do. And I think for all of us, regardless of if this is your first baby or your 20th, to try and separate our own knowings, our own wisdom from the collective hum of judgment, really. So that's what I feel as well as many of you. And I think in the asking of the question, I don't want to assume what anyone was feeling, but this judgment around, oh, you have so many, like just stop already. Or, you know, oh, you're 44. Aren't you done yet? Um, These are the voices that aren't ours usually. You know, if it is, then you acknowledge that and you're like, hey, I'm done. And there are many women out there that are like, I have two kids. I'm absolutely satisfied. Uh, I'm done. But you know, 
I have not felt that way, obviously. And I remember years and years ago, I was apprenticing with a midwife in Indiana, of all places, which is very close to here. And she had seven and I had three at the time. And I remember her saying something to me like she must have seen it. She must have seen it in me or seen it in my eyes or something. She was present at my third birth. And at some point thereafter, she said to me, kind of like, you're one of us. Um, it's addicting is not the right word. That sounds, you know, like you don't have control over it. But for some of us, for some of us women here in this body uh, uh, at this time on earth, there's something that does keep us populating, you know, it keeps us making these really amazing babies that, again, will be the light. So uh, that's not everybody. But if you are, I hope you, I don't know, maybe felt some sisterhood with my words today on this podcast. I don't know what the right answer is, of course, for any of you. I think if you're asking the question of, am I done? You know, is it weird to not feel done? I think there's an opportunity there for self-investigation and connection and communication. And funny, it reminds me of when I'm at a birth and the mom says, uh, is it time to push yet? And it's like, if you have to ask, then there's more to know there, right? It's not time. It's not time if you have to ask because when it's time, you will know. And that is exactly what I've told myself after all of my births. Uh, I felt done and then something else has come in. And I've, I've always said, you know, I'll know. I'll know whether it's just because it doesn't happen. Um, the years of fertility definitely do start to change. I'm not arguing that. I think that is a real thing with age. But the age at which that happens, I don't know how any of us could predict, right? Because who knows? Uh, there are women who are done with their fertility in their 30s. And I don't think that's that typical. But my point is, we don't know when our bodies are actually done. So if our bodies aren't actually done with their fertility, then it is a very real place that many of us find ourselves. Um, because the choice is, do we control nature? Or do we allow? And I think I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that last thought. Do we control nature? Or do we allow? And I think uh, you have your own answer. Thanks for listening in. I have got to get to a virtual prenatal now, but it was nice sharing with you. And I'd love to hear from you about all or any of that. Email me, marinatindiebirth.org. I'd always love to hear your thoughts, your words, and just where you're coming from. All right, everybody. Have a beautiful week and a happy solstice.